we open on an eclectic group of festival goers decked out in garb that represents each individual as its unique self. Standing around a beautiful willow tree in the middle of the Good Life Sherwood Court tent-only camping section. There's a classic fishhead in James with his tie-dye and cargoes. There's the Janis Joplin type in Lowray, draped in earth-toned layers made entirely of hemp product. There's the Trinity Wook in Keegan, wearing an all-black bodysuit with an updo. Jessica and Kirk are rocking their typical Hawaii 5.0 silkies and Air Force Ones. Will's in a notorious B.I.G. jersey, just in case a basketball game were to erupt later, I guess. There's always one basketball jersey in the group, isn't there? Camo Chris is in all green, presumably so he can do some recon work later, but I can't imagine we're going to need any recon work in a mythical quest like this, are we? This group of relative strangers had quickly become family. Those of you who have attended Electric Forest in the past know exactly what I mean. But no Forest fam is complete without a father figure. Which brings me to Daryl, aka Rave Daddy, aka first time festival goer and novice drug user. But why would Daryl even be here, you might ask? Allow me to introduce you to Morgan, an independent badass robbed directly from the cradle by Daryl himself, 25 years the elder to his girlfriend. After the group spent the first two days apart on their own separate paths, today was going to be different. Because the crew was prepared for a night together, for a unified group march through the concert grounds. But not before some last minute provisions were handled by some. Open wide everybody. Now set that little tab right there on your tongue. Chris mutters in his Boston accent. Do we have to let it dissolve or is that just a Hollywood myth, Kurt quips. I swallowed mine yesterday and it didn't disappoint. Keegan for the win. Ah, they come up to a pre-dusk LSD trip. Nothing brings more anticipation and anxiety than that, folks. Let's get in there. Let's go. Jessica shouts, rousing us from our acidic malaise. The string cheese incident starts in 30, Low Ray chimes in. Chris, have you told everyone about your string cheese incident? James asks. Nobody needs to hear that shit, James. The squad urges him to share it. I'm lactose intolerant, all right? And I'd won a white tuxedo to prom that year, okay? Chris fires back defensively. Will is beside himself. Wow, that's gross. I truly wish you hadn't shared that. Let's go! And with that disgusting poop story from high school, the group had finally begun its amble from the campground and into the venue. They knew they were in for a special night, but there's no way they could have anticipated the adventure waiting for them inside the forest. The night is young. In the ultimate set of the festival, the String Cheese Incidents finale, named Shebang, as in the whole Shebang, is due to start in 15 minutes. Kirk assembles a crew for a quick pep talk. Friends, lovers, Daryl, we've got 15 minutes to walk a half mile upstream. Along the way, we'll be faced with lasers and statues and actors and flow artists. We'll be tempted to stop at the honeycomb stage in the observatory. We'll see nipples and dicks and asses and balls. Praise be! James shouts out. But we cannot let any of these distractions, and that's exactly what these things are, people, distractions, we mustn't let them veer us from our path. For string cheeses, shebang is set to begin, and the shebang, my friend, waits for no man. Man in the gender-neutral sense. 
Everyone, synchronize your watches on three, Chris demands. Three, two, one, we're off. Just like that, the group is off. Like midsummer salmon swimming upstream. Like clockwork, the team ignores the incredible sensory adventures all around them as they pass through the gates and into Sherwood Forest. Focus, Morgan. There'll be time for the library later. Not now, Will. You can spin your bow staff after the shebang. James? James! James! Come on, man, we can swing gently in the hammocks as time permits, but not now. By some miracle, though, the group is still intact. Chris checks his watch. We made it through the forest in under seven minutes. Now for the final stretch to the umbrella ceiling. The final stretch appears before them. Soon, they'll be settled in at the shebang. Suddenly, Keegan's eyes fixate, and she's drawn immediately to the edge of the umbrella walkway. Guys, give me a minute, she requests. One minute, but that's it. Chris replies. Who is this little guy, I wonder? Wait, what is this little guy? Is it a guy? Keegan mutters to herself as she drones forward into what appears to be darkness to everyone else. Hello, Keegan. You can relax. It's just you and me now. Echoes from the darkness. Reveal yourself! Suddenly, a spirit appears. My name is Sherlock. Goddess of good vibes here at Electric Forest, I come to you in peace. Love, unity, and respect. Plur all day, Keegan fires back. Then in the name of Plur, do you accept the mission at hand? Yes, Sherlock, goddess of good vibes, I accept your mission, but what must we do? Keegan, you doing all right? We've got to roll out! Chris shouts from afar. Keegan, you and your newfound forest fam have demonstrated Plur all week. But you'll have to take that up a notch if you are to save the fate of the forest. Anything, Sherlock, anything. Your first checkpoint is the Giving Tree, a once beautiful tribute to the selfless nature of the magical festival. It has since become overrun with trinkets and trash, so you'll have to work hard to find the Diamond of Dust Defiance. Giving Tree, trash, Diamond of Dust Defiance. Giving Tree, trash, Diamond of Dust Defiance. Keegan repeats to herself to ensure she retains the orders. Go now, Keegan, to you and your friends. The fate of the forest is in your hands now. Godspeed. Sherlock's voice disappears into the distance as Keegan searches for her new spirit guide, but she's gone. Listen, everybody. I know this sounds crazy, but we've been given a mission to save the festival. Let me explain. No need to explain, Keegan. We trust you, and we're all in. Low Ray breaks her silence with her confidence in Keegan. To the giving tree! Chris exclaims. We find the entire group wading through the garbage pile surrounding the giving tree. Kirk and James use their height to peer high into the branches. Will and Jessica turn on their flow toys to provide light for the search. Daryl, known for his keen olfactory sense, begins sniffing like a bloodhound. I think I found it! Jessica shouts out. Nope, never mind. It's in the this isn't a diamond at all, just a just a giant chunk of Molly. But just then, Morgan jumps up from a pile of spaghetti with what is sure to be the object of their search. Here it is! Here it is! Daryl sniffed out this pile of pasta and I headbanged my way through the sauce to find the diamond of dust defiance! 
an intense white light blast from the stone as Morgan holds it to the heavens to share her bounty with the group. In the middle of the light appears a giant wizard. I am Wandu, the wizard of wonder, and you are Morgan, who doth findeth the diamond of dust defiance. With it, you must now travel to the Tripoli stage, where conditions have become borderline asthmatic, and activate this righteous jewel. Go there now. But how do I activate it? Morgan pleads. There are instructions taped to the bottom. I'm not seeing them. Damn it, Greg. I told you the instructions would fall off in the spaghetti. Um, uh... Daryl pops up, eating a face full of noodles. I believe this is the owner's manual we're searching for. To Tripoli! As the team wades its way into the hazy cloud of Tripoli, their visibility is stricken. <laughs> they wave their arms to clear a bubble of breathable air as they huddle up to strategize. Kirk kneels in the center of their formation with the stained owner's manual on hand. Step one, procure 10,000 gallons of water and place it in the center of the Tripoli crowd. Wow. Even this mission is a cash grab. Festival trying to get us to purchase 80,000 bottles of water while James jumps in. Well, in all fairness, they do allow us to bring in unopened containers and offer free filling stations, people. James, you magnificent bastard. This is what we're going to do. So we head over to the nearest filling station. Where surely a line will impede our progress. So we'll need a distraction. What if I start spinning my staff really well over there, Will asks. Or I could do my padded all fours twerk move. That'll draw a crowd. Jess adds. I've got something even better. Kirk turns to Daryl, sweaty, coughing, and nodding off in exhaustion. Daryl. Dad, do you mind if I call you dad? I'd rather you didn't. Daryl, you're in rough shape. You've tried every single drug known to man today for the first time ever. You're sweaty. You've got very little time left tonight anyway. How do you feel about playing possum, Kirk asks. Daryl. 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 Possum. Yeah, yeah. Play, play possum. Sure. To the filling station! James steps forward, putting his booming voice to work. Oh, no! That sweaty guy in the Rave Daddy t-shirt just died! Everybody, come help! Suddenly, thousands of concerned whoops scatter from the filling station line and surround Papa Postum. And now the diversion is in place. But the group can't budge the giant water takers. Lucky for the group, though, Chris had been doing some recon. I knew it. Clear the way! Coming through! Move it! Chris had hotwired the crane, positioned for reasons still unknown, behind the shebang stage. With expertise, Chris picks up the tanker and slowly lowers it over to the Triple E sound booth. The team is huddled again, with Kirk frantically shouting out the remaining instructions. Step two! Drop the Diamond of Dust Defiance directly into the 10,000 gallons of water! The air conditions worsen as audible coughs and grows grow in prevalence. <laughs> Morgan, now drop it in! The gemstone sinks fast to the bottom of the tank, thudding when it reaches its final destination. But alas, nothing has happened. Oh no, it looks like we're 20 ounces short, James alerts. Somebody, anybody, we need more water, Kirk shouts out. Well, I reckon somebody ordered the law. Oh shit, not the police, Jessica groans. But these aren't your standard boys in blue. And without so much as a single second of hesitation, the four Michigan State Police who had been stationed at Tripoli unholster their weapons and begin squeezing their triggers. Luckily for us, they're all carrying squirt guns. 
you know, water pistols, only at Forest Falls. As they open fire into the water tank, James is eyeing up the 10,000-gallon mark, and as he's about to shout, We made it! We made it! The water tank explodes quietly into the air. A massive cloud forms with lightning slashing through the mist. Step three, whoever found the Diamond of Dust Defiance must now shout for all to hear, defy the dust, release the rain. Morgan steps up into the center of the onlookers and with complete confidence bellows, defy the dust, release the rain. 10,000 gallons of water pours down in a single moment. The entire festival grounds are immediately covered in a peaceful glaze of moisture. And more importantly, the dust has settled. A collective sigh of 60,000 deep breaths release. Ah. Lungs are repaired. A massive applause erupts from all directions. Morgan stands atop the now empty water taker and soaks in the applause. Daryl, meanwhile, is on his way back to camp where he will dump all of Morgan's belongings from his SUV and split for home in Oklahoma City. For real, this actually happened. Not very plur of you, Daryl. Moving on. Chris loads everybody into the crane and slowly makes his way back to the shebang, where the finale is being delayed on account of the missing machinery. As they pull back around into position, a crew of roadies begins strapping the world's largest disco ball, and I mean that, the world's largest disco ball, to the end of the boom. A foreman steps forward. Hey, you, operating the crane. I don't know who you are, but you got moves, kid. Now, what do you say you fire that fucking disco ball up there and drop it over the stage during the first song? Are you sure, sir? I ain't even licensed to operate this thing, Chris retorts. Well, maybe I should introduce myself. My name is Fordast, the spiritual supervisor of this part of the woods. You've already met my friends Sherlock and Wandu. I think you'll be fine. Fordast suddenly glows the translucent gold, which was all the sign Chris needed to move forward. I'll take it from here, guys. You get in there and watch the shebang. I'll meet you in there shortly. Godspeed, Chris! You're a goddamn hero! James shouts. The crew assembles stage right between the soundstage and ranch VIP area. The acid is finally kicking in as they hold their heads high, knowing they've done their part. As We Our Family begins to blast from the stage, the world's largest disco ball is dropped in by Chris. Massive inflatable stars are released. Jellyfish float in the sky. Skydivers with comets strapped to their asses parachute down. There's so much going on, Kirk yells at James. This is what happens when technology catches up to our psychedelic aspiration, James replies. I'm having so much fun just reacting in the moment. You can't help but be present when so much is going on. And your wife seems to be on all fours, twerking, again. Kirk sidles up behind Jessica, feigning high amplitude pelvic thrusts as fireworks explode in the skies above. Jessica twerks, Kirk thrusts, James laughs. Bro, I think you're peeking. Oh, I'm peeking. I'm definitely peeking, Kirk shouts. Peek, baby, peek! Jessica encourages. The entire group, less Daryl, of course, is finally reunited. Even Chris, who at the conclusion of We Are Family inexplicably hauls in 
the world's largest disco ball and puts it back into hiding. This really happened, by the way. Does anybody know why String Cheese blew its wad on the first song of the shebang? It's as if we're in bed and you, and you tell me, hey, I just came. Can you eat me out now? James jokes. The group was nothing but smiles and laughs, convinced their quest was complete. But not so fast. For the gods and goddesses of Sherwood Forest weren't quite done with this crew. Not yet. Coming up on the next to Talk in the Attic, will the group make it to Rainbow Kitten Surprise's 2 a.m. set, which was actually the night before? Time travel? Hmm. Who are these two ladies? And will they ever see that butthole or them titties? And did Daryl really fucking leave his girlfriend stranded 1,000 miles away from home? Find out next week on the finale of Forest Fam. Unite! Peace out, everybody. My forest fam, bam, bam, wham, thank you, ma'am. It's my forest fam, bam, bam, wham, think my fam, it's the forest fam. It's the motherfucking forest fam. Driving through the forest with my homies, looking to my left, seeing all sorts of cronies. It's the kind of night you wanna drop some tabs and see the woods. But we better make it to the shebang, it's so good, shit. Bam, bam, it's a wham, it's a thank you, ma'am. I'm talking about the motherfucking forest with my forest fam. Bam, wham, thank you, ma'am, it's my forest fam. I'm coming up high to the umbrella, shit's my man. Everybody come up, it's a forest fam. Walking with our boots, dirty dust in our fucking hands. Holy shit, I'm looking this, looking that, but the forest provides, well, it's gonna have to prove that. Hide your shit! Hide your shit! Hide your shit!
shit. Hide your shit. Where the fuck is Kyle? Hide your shit.